Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Podding Shed, a <coughs> podcast of the ChelseaFCblog.com. It's the podcast that doesn't have to justify its team selection or tactics to any man, be they Russian billionaire or former girls football coach. Joining me this week, as always, are Grocer Jack, otherwise known as Tony, Mark25, who's Mark, and Dr. Blue Bayou, who's otherwise known as Donal. We're going to analyse the issues that have arisen this week. Fearlessly in the knowledge that uh, Charlie Adams' penalty could smash through the roof of the podding shed at any moment and fatally wound us all. <laughs> we will start on a positive note, and I think, um, actually looking at the stats, it's um, the fourth week of the, um, the, pod, the podding shed, um, and it's the first win we've covered, so a good sign. Um, Bolton, at last, a win. Um, 3-0, a sunny day, um, some decent football. Albeit against a side that didn't look particularly effective and uh, slightly erring towards bound for the championship next season. Um, <clears throat> Mark, you were there. What did you think? Well, it was a win, which is a rare change for this podcast. But um, actually, I had a strange feeling the game, sort of end of season feel. There were lots of empty seats around by me. And actually, I was surprised when they announced it was 40,900 there because it felt like a lot more than were missing than 1,000. And, and everyone around me had a sort of air of resignation that we'd been sentenced to a meaningless, trophyless season and we just had to sit out the next three months until the season ended. In, in the first half, it was incredibly dull, actually. And if someone were able to tell me at that point that all future games of football would be like the first half... I think I might give up football. It was that... It was pretty grim. ...slow and grim. And it sort of reminded me, actually, of the late 70s, early 80s, when at that time I used to sit in the new East Stand. It's the old stand now, but in the East Upper. And some of the football we played was just like the first half against Bolton. And I'd sort of sit there looking up at the pigeons, sitting high up on the metal roof, wondering how they got up so high, almost falling asleep... And then after about 60 minutes, suddenly you'd find Peter Barota at the halfway line making a tackle. <laughs> and everyone would say, what the hell's going on? And get really excited. And so it was yesterday, actually, with David Luis, who I think is the modern Peter Barota, who suddenly found himself two-thirds of the way up the pitch, beat a couple of men, and then shot a fantastic curling shot, as he tends to do, into the far corner, mm. and set the game alight. And... Um, from that point on, actually, we started to play quite well. And you could see the confidence start to flow back into the players' veins. Yeah, it was just a degree of it really lifted the pressure because nil-nil against the, at half-time against a team who really weren't particularly good, it has to be said. Um, yeah, you could tell that it, it just takes a goal these days. I mean, obviously, all it takes is a goal at the other end to, um, <coughs> to smash our confidence, as it has done so often in recent weeks. Um Tony, um, we, we were chatting beforehand about um, SEN in the, the holding midfield role, which um, not generally regarded by pretty much most, most Chelsea fans as his natural position. Um, what did you think? I, I, apparently he played reasonably well. I didn't partic- think he had a particularly good game, but what did you think? Um, well, I actually found myself agreeing with um, Hanson and Co on Match of the Day, for which I'm going to be taken away and punished uh, tonight. For because uh, you know we just don't do that sort of thing. It's not the done thing. It, it was he was good. Um, I, I dispute the fact he was playing an out and out holding role. Um, I think he was given a much freer role in that. The way I saw it, he was mm. um, making some good marauding runs forward. I think 
and that came uh, a little bit more clear in the in the second half. Um, and as Mark alluded to, I thought David Luiz for me, David Luiz was our man of the match. That, that boy yeah. wanted that game yesterday, and uh, someone uh, working class post I think on on the blog said um, you know he scored the goal, set the place alight, and then went and sat back and did what he's supposed to do and defended. And yeah. um, I, I was really pleased. For, for David Lewis, I think he's taken a lot of very unfair stick from fans, but also from Alan Hansen um, over his defensive capabilities. I, I sincerely believe he may well have a touch of the Peter Barotas about him, but as a frustration, mm. as an entertainer, he's got a lot of the Ricardo Cavallo about him as well. And yesterday he showed yeah. that with that goal. He started it and finished it, basically. And uh, very pleased. Essien, um, I, do you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, thought, I didn't think we'd ever see... Michael Essien play football again, let alone play football for Chelsea. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I thought that guy was going to be retired out of it. And if he did come back, he would come back mentally so crushed by having so many serious injuries. And to watch him come back beaming on the pitch and, uh, you know, doing as as good as he's been. Because let's be fair, the last couple of years, I think, when he has been fit, he's not been great. Mm. Um, but yesterday, I thought he he was good, and he, you know there was this strand of of the players that uh, are so allegedly disaffected under the AVB regime that actually for once got off their asses and actually played pretty well, and yeah. uh, that was that was good to see. They should be doing that anyway. They should be doing it for me, not just for AVB. They should be doing it for. And I was, I know it's a selfish point of view, but um, yeah, so I was impressed. I thought Hanson called it right. There was a degree of covering that he was doing in there, but mm. I think yesterday also for me, so we're not bolting a little bit, um, but we were a very cautious side yesterday, lacking in confidence for the you know, and I think feeling our way through that first half rather than not being particularly creative. I think there was a degree of let's not do anything stupid, let's get through this half, let's weigh up the opposition in a much more measured and controlled way than we've done before, mm. and to see Essien sort of patrolling that area in the middle of the park with Lampard. But to see the Louise Cahill team starting to form was good. And I was really impressed. Overall, yes, it's very hard for me. I've I've been looking at the Twitterverse as well, and I just can't get over some of the negativity from some people. You know, with a spoon-fed them a 6-0 win yesterday, they'd still be finding a reason to moan. Mm. For me, there was very little reason to moan. SEM was good, and I think match of the day, pundits got it right. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. No, no, no. On reflection, yeah, he must, he must clearly have played well. So I'll, I'll um, reserve my judgment on that. Um, Donald, you didn't uh, you didn't get to the game, but um, I don't know whether you managed to catch anything on match of the day or anything else that caught your eye that you want to chat about. Um, well, I, I was listening. I, I caught the first half of it, sort of on the. Um, I was listening on the radio. Uh, it was one of those strange Radio Five things where they give you the first half on the radio and then they had the rugby, so you then have to go and listen to it online or something. So I was over listening to the first half and it, it did sound quite frustrating. It, everything was a, a nearly an almost and not quite a, if he'd only seen, if he'd only done type of situation. So I could imagine in my mind that he was looking quite similar to what, what we've been watching for the past few weeks. Mm. So um, it was quite pleasant then to, to see that we got a, an earlyish goal second half and, and went on to win it. Uh, I, I, I think with SCN, we probably won't see the best of him if he can stay healthy this season and he stays at the club. You've got to hope that uh, a summer 
and uh, a pre a good pre-season might see him recover some of his you know proper old form. You know, it's good to see him back, and, I, and I'm sure he can. You know, we need him to make a contribution, but I think it would be a bit unfair to expect an enormous amount from him mm. this season because it's going to take him a couple of months to to even get his football legs. I would have thought. Yeah. So, I was interested to see that they focused on him last night on match of the day. I, I hadn't thought of him as that sort of player, but perhaps maybe he's got to change his game if his if his knees and his, his injuries have perhaps restricted his mobility and stopped him tanking up and down like he used to. Perhaps there has to be a, a role found for him. But he's never struck me as a tackler, and I always think you need a... Mm. And I, I don't mean that in a, a sort of bottling sense. I just mean in a you know timing and ability to, to nick the ball off someone's toes as opposed to, you know, remove them from the knees upwards, which, of course, Sky have focused on him doing over the years. Yeah, I, I must admit, I remember that, because I wrote an article about it for the blog, and um, I think it actually affected him quite a lot. I think he wasn't quite the same player for a little while after that. I think the, the sort of focus on him, because I don't think he is a dirty player. He's one of those players that outside of Chelsea seems to have a reputation, but I think he's just, you know, he's a very hard player, and... You will get the old tackle that, unfortunately, I don't think is malice intended, but um, but goes wrong. Um, I mean, he's thirty this year, and there's always been a, a suspicion that you know we've never really quite had the best out. You know, we've had some some great performances and some fantastic goals out of him, but you know, at, at thirty, you would hope that he can stay reasonably fit, and hopefully, over the next couple of seasons, you know cement his place in the team and, uh, <coughs> you know, and we'll see the best out of him what is ultimately so towards the end of his career um, the, um, the the other point about um, the game that Blue Boy Dave picked up on on the blog um, was after much discussion this week of the or this weekend before that um, the old guard and what they mean to Chelsea and what sort of hold they have on Chelsea and obviously an awful lot of guff talked about in the, in the media um, there were three of the 30-somethings on the pitch yesterday, um, but ultimately they were the ones that that had an effect on the game. I think um, Ashley Cole set um, Lewis up for his goal. Um, Lampard and Drogba both scored, and I think um, <coughs> Lampard set Drogba's up. So whilst, you know, they're not, um, they're not making up half the team anymore, um, it's quite clear that they still have a, a, a huge role to play for us. Um, Mark, what do, what do you think about this? You, you know, do you believe that what's been spoken about um, the, the players having far too much sway over the management and you know whispering to the media and whispering to the board and so forth? Do you do you go along with this, or do you think it's over exaggerated? <coughs> I'm sure it's completely exaggerated. Um, I, mean, I don't have enough inside knowledge or first-hand a view of what's going on to be able to comment really. But I mean, sometimes you see stories. And actually, when you can get to the original facts, you can see that they're blown out of all proportion. Mm. And the media are desperate to make a story out of anything at Chelsea. And um, it must be exaggerated. I'm sure there's no smoke without fire, and there's something underlying there. Mm. But I'm sure it's the same um, as it's always been in any club. And it's true across all clubs in the world, I would have thought, that you know, players have personalities, yeah. managers have personalities... And we've all worked in places and you know that, you know, sometimes people say things and wind people up and rub people up the wrong way. Uh, but it's only in football, really, that it gets reported on. Mm. Yeah, it's 
much magnified, isn't it? Um, Tony, I mean, we've had many conversations about this. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Frank Lampard in a, a little while, but um, after the, the Napoli game, um, we had sort of Morales and Torres. Um, Drogba and Lampard, is, is it a pairing you can really break up now? I think Lampard is more valuable than Drogba. Um, you know, people will immediately, you know, they're calling him the mighty one and all this sort of stuff yesterday. He scored a goal. It was a free header. It was a good header. It's what he should be doing week in and week out. And um, for me, there were still signs of the old flouncing of Drogba. I'm still not convinced his injury at the end was anything other than him being daft enough to go in for a completely unnecessary tackle, being made to look a bit of an idiot. And then doing the, oh, look at me, I'm badly injured, you know, through embarrassment, I think. And that's what it looked like to me. And I was in a different part of the ground yesterday. So I was actually sort of more behind the goal where it happened. Um, And there was a few, quite a few people going, oh, you know, just typical sort of thing. Lampard, on the other hand, um, I'm with Mark. I think this has been blown out of all proportions. And to see the twisting of his words today by the media, you know, Lampard, uh, you know, hates AVB, you know, we don't get on, just, he never said any of that, and mm-hmm. people are, are, are too willing, I think, to pay, you know, to take the unwitting testimony of what someone says, um, and, and twist it into something that it isn't, or is an exaggeration, a, a complete colourisation of it, and for me, in particular, I think, you know, Frank Lampard didn't help it by saying that. He could have just not said anything. He could have just talked about the game um, rather than um, maybe unwittingly uh, fan the, the flames of, of controversy that the press have picked up on. Having said that, he had a great game yesterday. He did have a very, very good game. Nice to see it, about time. And um, I think he, he made an interesting quote about, I don't expect to play every game for Chelsea, but when I am on the bench, I want to see us win. I think that's his, his words. Mm. Um, which for me tells me that I referred to him last week and said he's an intelligent lad and I don't quite understand why some of this stuff's coming out and I I just get the impression that maybe he has just started to think I can do the Skulls gigs kind of thing I can play once a week I don't have to play every single game Mm. all of the Mm. time I don't think we'll see him in an England shirt again Um, Mm. and that's good because I'd rather see him in a Chelsea shirt and yeah. uh, so I'm pretty pleased with him. I think Drogba will see his remaining time out. He'll pull the badge and tug the badge. He's not going to get a two-year contract. The, the club aren't going to give him that. I'd be absolutely amazed if he gets that. So I yeah. think you know, if he wants to stay for another year on a you know um, pay-as-you-play sort of contract, then fine. But we need to look at our options going forward. Maybe Torres won't be that option, but. Um, mm. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, I've yet to be convinced. I think you know, some good points were made in the club room yesterday. Torres tortured us when he was at Liverpool. I can't believe you just lose it that quickly overnight. They were confidencing a lot, but for me, Drogba, yes, could go. I think Lampard far more important, and Ashley Cole, who didn't look as angry yesterday, so maybe he's had some Valium or something. <laughs> Calmed himself down a wee bit. Right. Um, in which case, I think what we'll do, we will finish with a good, good, a bad, and the ugly from each of you. Mark, if you want to kick us off with that. Well, obviously, I think um, David Luiz has to be the good. He, he set the game alight, so uh, he was excellent. I think the bad was Bolton. 
they were very, very poor. And I can see them going down. And ugly, I think, I'll say the fickleness of fans. Not just our fans, but fans generally. But the example yesterday was actually when Torres came on with 15 minutes to go. The whole crowd started chanting, Torres, Torres, you know how they do it. And um, that's despite the fact all of these displays for us really have been pretty abject. But the fans cheer him on because they want to get behind him and they feel the guy's suffering and he needs our support. But when it comes to AVB, the fans don't really get behind him and he needs the fan support just as much as Torres needs the fan support. It's a very good point. And, and it's interesting that how the fans decide, well, for him, we're going to help him and encourage him. But for that other bloke, we'll just get on his back and bury him into the ground and he can carry the weight of all the crowd's responsibility on his shoulders. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. Um, Tony, if you would like to uh, give us your good, the bad and the ugly. Yes. Um, for me, the good, um, it would have been David Luiz, and I've already sort of alluded that he was man of the match. But for me, it was, an, it was a thrill every time it happened. But the ongoing battle, and it lasted the full 90 minutes between Ivanovic and Miachi, was just old-style football at his best those two were at each other they were you know it was constant every time one had the ball the other one was on him and I think Ivanovic edged it but it was just just up and at him stuff like you used to remember football used to be like no quarter held or whatever no they they absolutely were at each other all through the game not dirty competitive of the highest order and it was fabulous to watch and I think they should have picked up on that on match of the day because it was it was a marvel, and we were all sitting there going, "Here they go again," you know, and uh, mm. fantastic battle. Um, the bad for me, um, I couldn't really pick out anything bad from yesterday. I think I'd be, um, you know, Bolton were bad, but for me, I think the, the bad for the weekend really comes from Arsenal giving Spurs a good humping today. And um, mm. I think I was hoping, like everybody, for a nil-nil draw and mass injuries throughout both sides. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. Now, on the, on the, I suppose the plus side of that, even that is, is that that's Tottenham brought down a peg or two. They've got United next week, and um, one can only imagine that um, if, if if we're anything like the Chelsea of old, we will sniff the blood of Tottenham and be at them. So you know, we shouldn't be ruling out fourth or even third in in, in that point of view. And the ugly. Um, again, couldn't find anything ugly from yesterday. Um, I was in too good a mood. The weather was too nice. The food and the, the calf was wonderful. And um, I was a happy bunny, despite the, the massive, um, organically gained hangover, as we said, for real <laughs> ale. Um, but Liverpool this afternoon. And uh, you'd think they'd won the bloody World Cup, you know. And I've just seen a staggering headline um, in The Guardian um, along the lines of Liverpool talent pool pays off at last. Do me a favour. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfectly a perfectly reasonable point to end on. Uh, Donald, if you would like to um, offer us your good, the bad and the ugly, please. Um, yeah, well, as I wasn't there, um, I, I, the good has to just be the fact that we, we did dispatch a team we should dispatch uh, 3-0, so that would be my good. Um, uh, like uh, everyone else, the fickleness of fans is something one could dwell on. Um, but I, I can only fall back on my personal experience yesterday, which was that the, the bad would be the fact that uh, as you leave the, uh, the Olympic Park, you are ushered down the road 
away from where the station is so that you're forced through Westfield. So the bad is Westfield and the ugly is, of course, self-pity, shitty city who, <laughs> who, who managed to grind out a... Thinking back a couple of weeks, we, bound, we, we ground out a rather poor draw against the championship side and were rightly slated for it. Today they ground out a, uh, a, uh, a draw against a championship side and somehow walk off with the trophy. The third trophy, I understand, that they've walked off with on penalties in recent years. They haven't won. They haven't won a trophy in 90 minutes or even extra time in in the last three efforts. That's a good point, because they won the FA Cup against West Ham, penalties, and of course the Champions League... Yeah, we, we don't talk about that, though, do no, we? No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> we move swiftly on from that. Um, yeah, no, we, we have to remember, obviously, the Carling Cup is a crap competition unless we win it. Yes, indeed. Enough. Yes, yeah, so, and all we, need, all we need to say. I've had many a debate with people in the pub where, um, you know, if we're not in it, it's exactly that, and if we are in it, then I believe it's the premier competition that this country has to offer. Absolutely. Could I just say, um, Mark was talking about the... Um, Fickleness of fans. I was ha- I li- happened to listen to talk radio today uh, to the uh, early part of the Tottenham Arsenal game, and uh, the two guys is it Sam Matterface and um, I forget the other guy who's commentating, but they were in fits of laughter at the Arsenal fans because at two nil, all these fellows in front of them who'd been they'd had to apologise for all the swearing that might be coming through. <laughs> they'd all up, they'd all upped and were up the stairs and out. And then uh, Arsenal got a goal back, and they were assuming that these fellas had hesitated at the top of the stairs to see us, and then Van Persie equalised. The fans all legged it back down the stairs <laughs> into their seat. And not only that, but when it went to 3 2, they were all standing up and cheering and declaring their love for Arsenal. And the two guys on talk radio were just hammering <laughs> into them about it. It was hilarious. Yeah. So, yes, and we're all like that. But it no, was. Uh, sorry, the flicks all. They're all halfway down the road to Finsbury Park at 2-0 and then suddenly all back in when it was uh, going loose. Jonathan, just before you move on, I I do have to read this. The the headline of this article in The Guardian uh, is by our favourite one, Richard Williams. And I'm going to try and read this without laughing, Okay, Treasure chest of Liverpool talent pays first dividend against Cardiff. I'm not sure if that's an insult or not. <laughs> that's sort of private eye style. Isn't it's it? unbelievable. I, just, it's so I cool, urge you to it? read it. And, and oh, honestly, I'll just say I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to read that without laughing my head off. Right, I have to regain control, otherwise we're going to lose the plot. Um, I'll finish off with um, the point about the Bolton game. My good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, the good. I actually thought it was quite well officiated. Um, it was Michael Oliver, the referee. Apparently, is um, the youngest ever. Premiership referee. Um, I thought he was reasonably unfussy. Let the game flow. I think he only. I think there was only one booking in it. it wasn't a, obviously it wasn't a particularly <coughs> dirty game. Um, you know, you don't when you don't notice the ref, it's a good thing. So um, well done, <coughs> Oliver. Um, the bad at Bolton. I, I've got to echo that. Um, I thought they were pretty dreadful, and um, I'm very much looking at Championship before this. <laughs> something um, something dramatic happens. Um, the ugly, yeah, the fickleness of fans. Um, some of the stuff I've, I've read on Twitter, like Tony yesterday after the game, was, you know, if you can't be happy with it, you know, after 
the couple of weeks we've had with with the three 0 win in the sun, then um, there is frankly something wrong with you. Um, we will move on. Um, we touched briefly a, a, upon him during the um, talk about the game, but Frank Lampard. Um, yesterday he became the first ever Premiership player to score 10 goals in nine consecutive seasons. Um, is obviously, has been and hopefully will continue to be a huge player for Chelsea. Um, one of the best I've ever seen, if not the best. Um, he stated openly, um, albeit that, it, as Tony pointed out, it's been fairly well twisted uh, in the media that, that his relationship with V.S. Boas is maybe not the best. Um, that said, he was V.S. Boas made him captain yesterday. Um, the gesture that Frank made to the crowd yesterday when he um, walked towards the Matthew Harding stand spoke volumes for me. It was, um, you know, I'm still here and um, I'm still, I'm still fighting. Um, Donald, what, um, what do you think about this? Um, the, the talk about Lampard's relationship with V.S. Boas and, and where he goes from here is he kind of being made an example of as one of the, the old guard that is supposedly running off to the media every five minutes to, to tell his side of the story. Um. I don't know. Like uh, Mark, I, I I have no inside track um, at the club or anything like that. But I, thinking back, I mean, Frank was showing or was rumoured to be dissatisfied even under Ancelotti, wasn't he? Because there there were a couple of times there, I think, under Ancelotti where he didn't start. If I or you know this idea that you know he came back from injury and didn't get put straight back in the team playing 90 minutes all the time, etc., etc. Uh, now, whether that was was something that was exaggerated, probably was. I just have a feeling that he is an intelligent person. He's very articulate. Mm. And if, he's, if, he's, if he says something in an interview, we're not talking Keggy Keagle going off the end of the pier <laughs> at Fergie style here, are we? We're talking about someone who's usually quite considered... Mm can be very bland when he needs to be and, and just, you know, talk whitewash as, as most of them do. And it's who can blame them. It's the safest thing to do. Yeah. So well, well media trained. Yeah. So if he, if he does leave things open, if he does leave a bit of doubt about what he's actually saying, I think he, he probably knows that he's left it hanging to swing in the wind. So, you know, I think Frank is, working both sides of the streets here you know he wants he wants to stay at chelsea he he wants to uh, you know keep his contract he's on a very good contract my understanding is that he gets a large bonus if he sees his contract out mm. um they all you know you might think well he's surely earned enough money not to care but I, I, you know we'd all want more money no matter how much money we've got i think that's human nature generally so i think he wants to see his contract out I do wonder sometimes, you know, whether he is ready to accept a lesser role in the team. He, some of his performances in, in past months have not really been up to scratch. Uh, he's been lucky, I think, that no one has actually come in and really replaced him. We thought Morelos was looking good at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Malud has obviously fallen off the plank. There's no one now really challenging for that spot. So yeah. he can he can get his game time again and perhaps build himself back up. But had they had sort of a 24, 25-year-old, you know, who was playing as well as say Matter was playing on that side in the midfield, would Frank still be getting his spot? I don't know. Mm. You know, I didn't see him yesterday. By all accounts, he did play well. But he's not played well every game. 
And uh, but that said, when he wasn't picked for uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night, when when they left him and and uh, Essien out of that midfield, I thought this isn't a good idea, just purely because of their experience yeah. and that the way we'd been playing, there wasn't really anyone who was going to do much better than either of those two. So, yeah, I think Frank's a smart boy. I think he knows what he's doing. He's he's letting AVB know that he can't be ridden roughshod over. Uh, AVB's probably been clever in that he's now made him captain in Terry's absence. Look, I'm giving him a chance. Mm. And if, if the form doesn't pick up or if he doesn't maintain the form he's got yesterday, then, you know, AVB can turn around quite happily and say, look, I, I built my team around them again. They've let me down. So there's a fair... I think there's quite a, a chess match going on there, to be honest. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right. Um, Mark, I mean, in terms of what Lampard has to offer, um, he's not, he's never been re- renowned for his pace or anything like that. You know, he, technically he is the sort of player that could maybe go on like gigs and skulls have for another three or four years. Um, do you think AVB needs to, well, has he realised that, you know, maybe I do need this man around? Um, is, he, is he playing the diplomatic game like um, Donald suggests, do you think? Possibly, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Frank has been one of our best ever players. Um, I mean, his contributions over the last however many years he's been with us have been fantastic in terms of the number of goals and his performances. And... In the seasons 2004, 5, 6, he would always come up with a goal when we needed it. Mm. You know, when we were sort of struggling away at Everton to get a win, he would crack it in from 25 yards outside the box and we'd end up with three points. And the truth is, he's no longer able to do that. Mm. I know he scored yesterday and, you know, all credit him for doing that. But he doesn't salvage a game anymore in the way that he used to. And his influence and impact on the team is diminishing. Yeah. All I hope really is that um, everything ends well with Frank and there's no bad blood between Frank and the club. Yeah. Because we should all remember him as a fantastic contrib- contributor to our history and accept the fact that his career is coming to an end and let it end gracefully. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a very good point. It's um, it would be a shame, you know. There's there's much talk about um, you know, <coughs> big money moves to the MLS in the states. Um, I think it would be a great shame to see him go like that. Um, I think VS Boas needs to realise that uh, he has a very very good and a very very wise player on his hands here. And be, you know, if he is spinning his side of the story to the press, then you know I think he's probably entitled to do so. Um, it's not questioning the manager as such but I think it's um, maybe tactfully letting him know that um, he, he maybe isn't happy and um, wants wants to improve his situation for want of a better phrase Tony I mean you spoke about him a fair bit and when we were talking about the Bolton game you, anything you want to add on um, on the subject to Frank I agree with everybody else I think um, the, the, the powers may be diminishing but you, you if you're going to make wholesale changes if that's your remit from um, from the owner, there are other places to start first, um, where more surgery is needed, and uh, I don't think Frank's one of them. And I, I think, as I said, I think he's an intelligent lad. I, I think he may have unwittingly said that stuff yesterday. I think the press have twisted it. Um, 
go back to, to, to Mark's point about the fickleness of the fans and the, you know, the fact that you know, they all get behind Torres but don't want AVB. I, I noticed that even some of the fans on Twitter were taking uh, AVB's rather fulsome praise of Frank yesterday and twisting it. Com- These are Chelsea fans. Twisting it completely. He said that Frank, he said something like Frank um, has been and always will be a very big part of this club's history. And I can't remember which one it was now. Um, completely twisted that into something along the lines of, oh, what, so he's calling Frank history now, is he? It's, <laughs> you know, it's like, go away and get a grip, you numpty. And uh, so I think, I think AVB, he's learning. There's some good points made, you know. You, He's, he's been taken on, I think, by the owner in terms of potential. And he, he's getting some things wrong and some things right. And uh, his treatment of Frank maybe hasn't been the greatest, but they're a couple of adults. They should be sat down over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and saying, right, this is my point of view, this is your point of view. Frank Lampard is and has been a great player. I don't think he gets anywhere near the credit in the press in comparison to the furore in the general... Um, adoration that say Steven Gerrard who's just about done half if that of what Frank Lampard has achieved gets I really think it's it's just distorted um, you know the, the, the way that that Frank gets sort of um, a nod and a, yeah he's been a great player for Chelsea but wow look at Gerrard and uh, that is a shame and we shouldn't let him go you know let him, I'd like to see him retire quietly after rusting, you know, slowly over the next few years, but being an important and influential person in the dressing room, provided it's a positive influence rather than a, a you know, a, a, a negative, undermining one. And I don't think yeah. it is. I, I don't. I just think people have taken two and two and they're making five. I think that there are there, there are a couple of um, issues which which are all getting tangled up. I, I think there's the issue that uh, emerged when Scolari was manager, which was that uh, the the senior experienced players who'd been around the block could sense that what what they were doing in terms of their training and their conditioning wasn't what was required, which is is not necessarily a, a selfish thing. You know, that, that's a sort of team thing. That's saying, look, um, th- this, you know, kicking around at five sides instead of doing um, conditioning training or uh, the trying to play this way against a team that's going to play that way is nonsense. And, you know, whether it's a dressing room revolt or people just made their point strongly, we don't know. Similar, there's a similar confusion here with the AVB situation, I think, in that there's perhaps, if we, you know, pick through the the bits and pieces, there's a dissatisfaction with perhaps some of the training methods or the the tactics that are being employed, and that's one set of issues. Mm. And perhaps that's where the the Ashley Cole answering back business comes from, because Cole has certainly been played regularly, whereas the Frank Lampard side of things is Frank dissatisfied because he thinks the training methods and the tactics are wrong in the same way that Ashley Cole does, or is he, and perhaps Essien, or is he dissatisfied purely because he himself is no longer central to the team, or perhaps it's a mixture of both? And you know, there's a, there's quite a few things bundled up here. I think there's undoubtedly some dissatisfaction at the the way the 
the team is being run, perhaps. Whether that's right or wrong, we don't know. I'm not a, uh, a first-class coach. I'm not any sort of a coach. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think there's there's two strands running there. There's players dissatisfied with their own uh, position within the team, but perhaps also dissatisfied with, you know, how the, the first team is being run, as it were. Now, I think that probably rounds us up for um, for Frank. He will um, <coughs> hopefully be here for um, a, a good deal of time, yeah, and you would hope that the management realise that uh, he has a huge amount to offer. We have to kind of go back, given all the managerial upheaval we've had over the last few years, um, how well we've actually done, um, I think, is, is no small in no small part due to kind of the knowledge and the wisdom and the ability of the um, the older players to um, to help us through some bad times. Um, mm, yeah, and, uh, you would kind of hope that um, the powers that be realise that they have an awful lot to offer between them. Mm. Um, we'll move on. We'll have a quick look at the um, the Napoli game. Um, obviously, the first sort of surprise of the, the weekend was that V.S. Boas was actually still in charge because after um, our defeat out in Italy, the, um, the world and his wife seemed to be suggesting that... Um, AVB would be a goner in the morning. Um, I didn't see the game. Um, I'll throw it open to you three um, to just have a quick um, chat through it and um, then I look forward to the second leg in a couple of weeks. Um, Tony, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I thought we were nowhere near as bad as everybody said. Um, defensively, a bit naive. Uh, I think uh, Napoli, there was a little bit of a fear factor there that I've probably not witnessed before in a Chelsea side. I think. Um, Donald's got it absolutely bang on. The fact that he didn't have Essien and um, uh, Frank may be out there immediately put us at a bit of a disadvantage. Morellas has been, you know, his form form wise has been falling off a cliff. Oddly enough, Maluda had a fairly reasonable game. Yeah. Um, so whether he, was, he thought he was putting himself in the shop window or not, I don't know. Um, but I, I, um, sorry to interrupt. But it did strike me in terms of obviously we've talked about the team selection, but it did strike me as one of those things that a, you know a manager does and takes a gamble and, and puts the team out. If he wins, then it's an absolute masterstroke. Yeah. If he loses, then he is well, yeah, in, in uh, deep deep stuck. I think, that, I think this Napoli team beats Manchester City twice, so um, uh, uh, we'd be mad to think that we were just going to roll through them as, as if we were the team we were five years ago. Um, I think. David Luiz did make a, a howler at the end, um, which any defender, I guess, is prone to. I mean, you know, lest we forget John Terry's pass back or whatever it was that gave Robbie Van Persie always slipped in there and Robbie Van Persie slipped in and scored his 18th goal of the day or something uh, <laughs> against us. So I think, you know, but I'm more concerned about Peter Cech being, um, mm. thinking he was Peter Barota. And uh, being somewhere close to the halfway line at that point, I'm quite sure what he was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's by any means over. I think three-one. Uh, the, the such is the um, the foibles of the away goals rule um, that I don't really think it makes that much difference. Didn't we have a three-one lead over Barcelona many many years ago, and then <laughs> went out and played them out there, and yeah. it mattered not in the end, didn't it? Really, when you're up against a team at home. I think if we've got uh, West Brom and Stoke before the Napoli game, haven't we? I think yes, and I think there's a there's a chance to you know rattle up a couple of wins there. Um, then I, I think we may see some some confidence, and, and I think it'll be a great night. I mean, but one of those rare nights I'd, I'd probably fancy going to a, a midweek European tie. 
but I won't. I shall sit back and uh, I shall probably avoid any contact with it and just well, maybe go to pictures or something and then just <laughs> casually glance at Twitter to find out whether or not it was a night of glory and then pretend the next day at work that I watched every minute of it in, with everybody at work. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so. Um, Mark, what, uh, what did you, I don't know if you saw the game or not, but what did you think? Well, it was a very open game. Um, I think afterwards, correct me if I'm wrong, but AVB said that we had loads of chances and um, we could easily have won the game if we'd taken our chances. Did anyone else hear, hear him say that? I'm no, sorry, I didn't. didn't so. That's what I've heard reported. And um, I think if you say that once, you can sort of accept it. If it happens to you twice, it could be a coincidence. But actually, lots of games this season, we could have won because we've, we've created lots of chances. And, you know, Manchester United away, Manchester United home, Arsenal at home. But there does seem to be a recurring theme. And the recurring yep. theme is that we either play dull, stifling football and, and it ends up in a 1-0 draw where we're hanging on against a low team for the last 20 minutes to try and keep the point. Or it's a bigger team, we play more exciting, expansive football and we get hammered at the back. Mm. So um, I, th- I think that's what's going on there. I mean, in terms of the return leg, you know, a- anything is possible. I think it will be an exciting night, potentially, yeah. if, if we win. Uh, but in terms of the score, you know, I find it difficult to forecast. And if I had a crystal ball, I'd probably sit down more carefully. I've been trying to work that one in for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Masterful that one. I mean, this given, you know, we've not actually had a railway reference yet, so I would uh, remind one of you to, um, you know slip one in as and when you can because we didn't, we didn't do one last week either so you know it's m- most remiss of us um, Donald um, your, finally your thoughts on uh, the Napoli game well um, I, I watched it with uh, a couple of friends who are Spurs fans and they, they seem to think that we did quite well um, whereas I was sort of shouting <clears throat> at the screen pretty much most of the game that um, I, I just thought we always looked likely to give goals away. Admittedly, their defence didn't look that uh, sure of itself when put under any sort of real pressure. But the key thing was that that they got the goals. I can't say that going into the game, I think, and and having seen the team, I I didn't expect a lot, I have to say. I did think we were going to come away from there probably you know, having conceded a couple of goals. Uh, so I was pleased when we got the away goal. Um, it was a bit of a, a crusher then when uh, Cavani uh, got that um, goal just before half-time, which I thought was was a handball, and so did the people I was watching it with. Uh, right. The, the, the sky thing seemed to be that it hit his, the point of his shoulder, but it looked like a handball to me. That's, you know neither here nor there now, but it was just something that never seemed to get made much of yet. In the pub where I watched it, a lot of people seemed to think he'd, you know, sort of hit it with his upper arm. But, uh, you know, I think that was a bit of a body blow. Uh, I think if we come back from there with, with a 2-1 defeat, we'd have been in, in, in quite a good situation. I think looking at that team, they've got a bit of a noose about them. Uh, they're a good counter-attacking side. Yeah. We'd, we'd certainly have to be set up differently, have different personnel, I think, to, to get anything. I'm not writing us off, but 3-1, mm. three, 2-1 three, is always doable in Europe. 
three one, you've you've got to get off to a very good start. A bit like we did against Valencia. Yeah, I um, think concede and we could um, it could all be over, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, well I think it's the fourteenth of March. The second leg takes takes place. Um, I, do, I think we've, we've all said enough about what we we would predict and what we wouldn't predict. Um, it's certainly going to be an interesting game. Um, whether AVB is still in charge by then is um, is anyone's guess. Whether he'll be in charge after it is anyone's guess. Um, but it's one we look forward to. Um, I will we'll have a quick look at um, just what's been going on elsewhere around Chelsea and former players and so forth this week. Um, congratulations to the youth team um, who made it through to the semis of the cup and they were 3-0 down at half time at Nottingham Forest and uh, came back to win 4-3 um, Lucas Piazon um, Islam Farouz got two and Alex Kiwami got the winner three minutes from time which is fantastic news I'm not entirely sure who we're playing um, in the semi-finals but um, it's one of those United I think oh right okay do we yeah. know if it's down there or up here uh, up no there idea. or down here rather <laughs> Uh, is it, two, is it two legs of semi-finals or is it only the finals two legs? I can't remember now. Oh, yeah, no, so I, it, might, it might be two legs actually. It, I think the semis might be two legs. Or it used to be. Yeah, no. If they um, if they do play at the bridge, then it might be worth wandering down there because mm. it should be a good night. Um, Fabio Barini was on target again for Roma, um, albeit his team went down three one to Atalanta. But he's also been called up for the Italy squad um, for the first time for a friendly against the US. Um, so congratulations to him. Um, elsewhere, um, nothing really of note as far as I could see. Um, Josh McEachran came on for about the last twenty minutes of Swansea's two 0 defeat to Stoke um, and replaced former Chelsea boys, Scott Sinclair. Um, I couldn't see his name mentioned anywhere in uh, any of the reports, so one assumes he didn't particularly set the world alight. Um, that would appear to be it. Um, if there's anything you'd like us to cover in terms of uh, news or talking points, then um, do leave us a comment on the blog, www.chelseafcblog.com. Um, we will if, now if I can um, just yeah. interject with a bit of celebrity news. Oh, go on. on um, early this week, I went to see Omid Jalili, the comedian. Ah, Chelsea. Ah, Chelsea fan, yes. He's a Chelsea fan, which part, yes. part of the reason why I went, actually. Mm. To be honest, it was a bit like watching Chelsea Bolton, but, <laughs> but slightly cheaper. But when I was waiting around in the reception area outside of the Hammersmith Apollo, Bruce Buck was there. Mm. I, don't know if oh, he really? got, I don't know if he got free tickets off Omid. Uh, but I didn't go up and talk to him. I thought it was a bit rude because um, he was with his family. Mm. But I did stick my thumb up in the thumbs-up gesture. And he, he did the same to me. So we're now quite close friends because if you do that on Facebook, you're, you're, you're a friend. You, friend you, yes. you like someone. So I'd say we're quite close now because we actually met in the flesh and not just over the internet. Excellent. <laughs> but um, I was surprised he was there because, I mean, I, I work hard all week and therefore going to a comedy store is a bit of light relief. But he works all week in a comedy store, so I don't know why he wants to go. <laughs> I actually, my, my pre-match pint with um, a mate of mine, um, a friend of his, turned up, and he was a stand-up comedian, which I thought was uh, most apposite. But um, it didn't, didn't turn out to be the um, series of pratfalls and amusements that um, we were expecting. Um, well, in which case, we will obviously be looking to um, Mark for all insider information in future. Now that he is, um, he is top chums of Bruce Buck, um, we'll now move on to our final item: um, the return after a one-week absence of Do You Remember? Um, this week, we're going to talk about famous Chelsea managerial sackings. Um, there's been a fair few of them over the years. Um, I'll kick it off. Um, the one that I, I remember most, because I was writing quite regularly for the blog at the time, was obviously Mourinho. Um, a text came through on my phone from um, 
well, several Chelsea supporting mates at roughly the same time while I was sitting in a pub saying, Mourinho's gone. Um, at the time, it did rather feel like the, um, the bottom had fallen out of our world. It's, um, you know, five trophies or whatever it was, and um, all of a sudden the man is gone. There had been much speculation after our... Um, our I think we were beaten 2-0 up at Aston Villa. Um, and much was made in the media about Roman apparently storming out and briefly shaking. Um, it was Doug Ellis's hand on the way out. Um, I wrote a very clear... Having done so would have been a couple of million lighter, I suppose, knowing <laughs> deadly, Doug, <laughs> deadly Doug's ability with the quids. Yes. Sorry, sorry John. Handshake. No, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, I wrote what I thought was a terribly clever article about how the media blow things out of all proportion. And, um, you know, you shouldn't read too much of the fact that Roman Ravarovic left too early and it doesn't really mean anything. And um, two days later, Mourinho was sacked. Um, so it shows, shows what I know. Um, it's... Um, it really did feel like um, the the end of an era. Um, all, <clears throat> Avram Grant had been um, been sort of installed above Mourinho, and the, the friction had been quite clear for some time. Um, with hindsight, you would you would suggest that Mourinho is 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 a very successful manager at, at clubs for a, a relatively short period of time. Um, it was becoming, or well, it became quite obvious with hindsight that relationships were rather strained between him and any number of people, mainly Roman, and obviously if you fall out with the uh, the man who writes your paycheck, it's only going to go one way. Um, we recovered. We um, Under Avon Grant, we actually made the Champions League final. Obviously, we know the, um, the history of that. Um, and we've done reasonably well since then, um, albeit that managers have come and gone. Um, Carlo Ancelotti led us to the double. Uh, <coughs> But what we'll do is we'll hand over to um, everyone else. Um, Tony, you wanted to talk about when um, Rude Hullet went. Yeah, because I was, as I sort of said in our, our pre-recording session, I'm still angry about it. I'm still very angry about it um, because um, for me, he he was the play, he was the the guy as both as a player. Um, you know, I, I still remember when he came um, to Chelsea under Hoddle. Just being stunned. Uh, th- this yeah. was the Rude Hullet. Okay, uh, you know, I'm not sure whether I think Spurs may have had um, uh, Klinsman by then and, and, and any number of these sort of twilight players, you know, come into the twilight part of their career. But this was the Rude Hullet who'd been sort of held up in the same breath as, as the likes of Cruyff and, uh, and players like that as, as the world's greatest for a period of his, his time. And um, getting in there as a player was... You know, I had to sort of pinch myself at the time, thinking, "What? what, what is he? Has he gone wrong? Has he taken a wrong corner?" <laughs> you know, as, 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 uh, wasn't it the, the thing that they, with Rubinho that they th- he thought he'd signed for Manchester United or something? And uh, <laughs> and, a slip of the tongue. Yeah, absolutely. Did someone tell him that, <clears throat> that Chelsea were Arsenal or something like that? And uh, so when he got the or job Charlton, Man- Charlton perhaps, perhaps he thought he'd signed for Charlton. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I seem to remember um, the, the, the end of the season uh, after Hoddle had taken the England job, and rumours were rife that we were going to go for George Graham. And I think it was the last game of the season at Stamford Bridge. And was it a popular suggestion? Was it? It, it was a very popular suggestion to the point where you had um, several 
tens of thousands of Chelsea fans basically singing you can stick George Graham up your arse and for once do you, do you Bates, think we could work do we, we could rework that song to um, include Rafa Benitez just, <laughs> just as a thought I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me Hullet taking over as the coach was I, I thought it was brave I thought it was innovative um, I thought he was the one who would take <clears> us forward I still think he <clears> did <throat> I think we played a, a brand of football which made us loved and uh, the, the football was good. He brought, um, you know, the quality in there. And I think we had, you know, that, 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 that you know, I can't, I can't ever forget um, the, the sort of nerve-boiling FA Cup final against Middlesbrough, which was 25 years or whatever it was since we'd won a major trophy. Um, been out in the wilderness, been relegated and, and such like. And he exuded calm professionalism. He looked good when he walked out on that pitch in his suit with his carnation on, and those players, led by um, Wisey, I think, at the time or whatever, yeah. and whatever, they looked, they, you know, looking back in hindsight, they, they, you can see in their eyes there was no doubt they were going to win that game. And although the romantic side of everybody really wanted Middlesbrough to win, I've still got the, the, the video of it somewhere where the, the, the whole of the BBC coverage is geared up towards, you know, poor little Middlesbrough. Are they going to pull it off today? Um, but for me, Rud Hullet did that. And, you know, I, I seem to recall we were second in the league when he got sacked, mm. you know, for his £2 million netto. And, and whatever the reasons were, it just seemed to me that, um, you know, Ken Bates undoubtedly had the knack of getting rid of some, you know, pretty shocking managers. But in this particular case, I, I'd like to think that he was sat in his silver suit with his white cat on his um, <coughs> knee, um, speaking a sort of pseudo-Russian Lancashire-based accent or whatever. And he, you know, he went to press the green button to say yes to the two million, and accidentally hit the red button, which had an ejector seat on it and that was the reason for it went but and the Dutchman was, was gone it was yeah. got, and it has gone because it was such a shame you know he really I, for me an iconic manager and I know he's not gone on to any particular great success since but you know great bloke yeah no, definitely definitely um, Donal your thoughts on um, great managerial seconds of our time um, as, as a, a former um, member of the Irish Centre Boys Band I know how important it is to to blow your own trumpet because you don't you don't want anyone else blowing it because you end up with all their spit down it. So uh, I, I don't want to make a George Michael joke there, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I think that's that's confirmed this week's explicit rating for the podcast. <laughs> I did uh, last year actually. I, I wrote something um, which involved um, sort of long trains running through Georgia and uh, the underground all the way out to West Ham and so on. And it was about all this sort of the managerial merry-go-round that Chelsea have had. I think it was 24 at that time. This is coming up to Ancelotti still being in the job. Um, it was something like 24 managers, coaches in 106 years of football, mm. um, which doesn't sound too bad, except that, um, like Man United, we, we did have a Scotsman for, for 30 years of that. Mm. Although unlike Man United... Uh, uh, David Calderhead didn't um, didn't pull in the trophies in the same sort of way, so you know they've there's a it, it's sort of in the DNA of the club this this ability to recruit a manager and get rid of them within two or three years. You know we we had sort of people like um, 
the Doc and Ted Drake and one or two others who, who lasted a certain amount of time. But I, I don't know. I think with managers, there, there's a certain uh, sort of standard amount of time. I think you'd say probably between four and six years, almost a phase, which yeah. is about the longest you can expect other than, you know, the Wengers and the Fergusons and, and people like that. Or with uh, Liverpool, the sort of boot room where people are coming out of the same culture and handing, you know, from one to the other to the other. Mm. So, um, so, you know, I, there's been so many uh, that it, it's almost that I think what depresses me more is these days they're hardly, they, they've hardly sort of uh, put the photo of the wife and kids on the desk and taken, you know, taken a few files out of a drawer and thrown them in a bin before they're basically halfway out the door again, according to the press. And then there seems to be this constant undermining of them all that goes on. So, you know, I, I they, the, the, the Viali one, <coughs> the, the Hullet one, and I, I think um, Mark will probably talk about um, some of the earlier ones. But, yeah, in recent years, I think, and for me, Ancelotti going, I, I, I still find that most un, un, unsettling yeah. in, in the way that you can you can get rid of someone quite that quickly who's, who's that experienced and with that much success and more so uh, although it was shocking in hindsight Mourinho going didn't seem quite so shocking at the time because it was there was so much friction there was so obviously something going wrong um, that it didn't, although it was it was shocking in the sense that you know we were getting rid of our probably our most successful manager ever. Yeah. But there was also a sense of well, you know, it it was coming somehow. Yeah. Um, the same thing with Ancelotti, you, you, you knew it was coming, and still it didn't seem a sensible thing to do for, from the outside. Um, so. Yeah. I think um, on Sunday, Paul Hayward said on some Sunday supplement this morning, you know, it's, it still defies belief as to why he was sacked. And I, I must admit, I still struggle with it. And, um, you know, the proof of what's happened this season is, um, you know, it, it speaks, it's, um, speaks its own story. You know, it, it's, it's been very difficult for V.S. Boas and, and he's not going to achieve yeah. as much as Ancelotti did last season um, and he's arguably got a better squad um, right there's there's areas where it lacks a little bit of balance and um, a player or two but you know the the addition of players like Matter and you know covering defence for Cahill and people like Cahill it's um, yeah it, it's, it still surprises me I have to say um, I think I think the most shocking thing in that thing I wrote I basically said well if you got a train that was 24 coaches long and you left Fulham Broadway with it. By the time you got to Earl's Court, you had very little train left. If you allowed that for each stop on the way was a year of managerial reign, most of your managers had dis well, a lot of them had gone before West Brompton. <laughs> and that was one stop up the line. So by Earl's Court, well over half of them. And, yeah. you know, it was, I think there's only six left by, by South Kensington. You know, it was. When you look at it in that sort of way, the, the, the amount of managers that we've trashed after a couple of years. Mm. And it is, you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, it's almost part of the DNA of the club. I must admit, I've never really sort of believed that kind of concept. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, people talk about 
how ruthless Abramovich is, it's it's not really any particular change from what um, what Ken Bates was like when he was here. Um, yeah. Mark, I think you wanted to make just a sort of a few general points about you know the, the managerial merry-go-round. Yeah, well, picking up on your thing about our DNA and also picking up on Donald's sentiment. Um, I mean, I'm not sure it is our DNA. I think it's the DNA of not only football, but modern life. And um, I'm sitting here looking at the Wikipedia page of Chelsea managers starting way back in 1905. And as Donald mentioned, David Calderhead served us from 1907 to 1933. And then Billy Birrell did it from 1939 to 1952. And if you look at the England managers, Walter Winterbottom did it from 1946 to 1962, and then Sir Ralph came in from 63 to 1974. And apart from Wenger and um, Ferguson, who actually are freaks by comparison mm. to everybody else, yeah. Yeah. the normality is that the lifespan of a manager is um, decreasing year by year. And I think a lot of that really is the sort of big brother culture, the X factor culture, you watch something and you vote for it there and then. And I mean, I can see the day coming when, when you go into the ground, you'll all be given your little handheld devices with a button on it, a red button and a green button. And while you're watching the game, you can push a button and vote the manager in or out. <laughs> and they'll have a spare one, you know, further down the tunnel, they'll wander out and take over the game partway through. You, I mean, you can laugh, but... I could see it happening in 20 years' time. You know, football might be getting a bit dull. Uh, the bloke who runs X Factor, Simon Cowell, might be involved in Premiership football, and he's thinking of some way to sort of spice up the entertainment value. Mm. And you can have a phone vote. The people in the crowd can have a vote. And um, managers come and go. So it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. Be so, uh, if, if it meant that Louis Walsh ended up managing Spurs, I'd be quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I would disagree with that. Yeah, actually, it's, it's interesting looking at that um, that list of um, of Chelsea managers. And since, well, since the days of, of the Dark and Sexton, the number of managers who have actually managed more than two hundred games it's, it's John Neal, Claudio managed just two hundred, and they're the only two mm. um, that have made it that far. Um, and we were di- we were discussing before, weren't we? That it's. Some of these people, yes, you can understand why they got the sack, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, Chelsea have made a few howlers. We were talking about Eddie McCready, weren't we? You know, the, the legend has it that he just wanted a car. I don't think it was a better car. I think it was just a car. Mm. And uh, you know, they didn't want to get the Mears set up. Didn't want to give him a car. Thought he was getting above himself. So <laughs> <laughs> you know. I don't know if they even gave him his bus fare, but out he went, you know. And at the time, Chelsea were, were not doing too badly under him. Yeah, so. but to be fair, Eddie McCready was, had such terrible eyesight, he probably was denied a car just out of health and safety. <laughs> <laughs> Do not let yeah. this man on the road. It's for your own good, son. Uh, yeah. It doesn't make you wonder how he, how he played at such a high level, I don't know. Uh, but yes, his, his eyesight was legendary, wasn't it? Mm. Um, he could have been a Scottish goalkeeper with that eyesight. <laughs> and the, the hits just keep coming. Yeah, uh, I think um, that that probably rounds us off. It would be an interesting subject to if if people would fling their thoughts onto the blog, and I might try and stick a post up this week. You know, your your memories of Chelsea managers and um, why you thought they should have been given more of a chance, or why you think they should have been sacked long before they were. Um, I think 
believe that probably rounds us up for this week, unless anyone has any other business they want to throw into the mix. Nothing here. No, I think uh, I think we, we've slated uh, Liverpool and Arsenal and Spurs. That's that's about as much as a man can want in a day. I think pretty much all we need to do, definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, talking about slating Liverpool and Spurs, actually, one thing that did strike me today was that even though the first half yesterday was a bit depressing, I can say that I've always enjoyed football one hundred percent, and the one hundred percent is made up of the success of Chelsea. And the misery of other teams. And in, in the seasons where we're doing well, it's 95% of my enjoyment is made up of our success and 5% of others' misery. This season, it's 50% about Chelsea and 50% watching the fans' faces of other teams as they go from 2-0 up to 5-2 down. <laughs> it, it always makes you feel but, good, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, you, you, you just can't depend on... So all we wanted... I, I didn't really care too much about the results, I think... A draw would have been the most favourable. Um, perhaps a Spurs win if we thought they were moving away. Uh, but they actually managed to lose by three goals. If they'd managed to lose by two goals, we'd have been above Arsenal on goal difference. Whereas at the moment, we're actually equal, so we're back in fifth place, I think, probably because they've beaten us or something that's, like that. That's it, that's why. That's but, they, they, you know, I, I thought, yes, if, they, if this is going to be a 3-2 game or maybe a 3-1 game or a 2-0 game, whatever... They managed to lose by three clear goals. You'd almost think once they were 4-2 down, they just thought, well, at least we can give the blokes at Stamford Bridge something to weep about. So yeah. chuck another one in there, you know. I think um, that is uh, the maxim to round off on. This has been discussed on the blog before. One rule in life, you can never, ever trust Tottenham. No. 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 And on that note, I think that is a good point to end and wish everyone a good night. Good night, gents, and thank you. Good night. Good night.